Welcome to the Clay Young Show. What's going on, folks? Good to have you back. Clay Young here for another edition of the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com and on iTunes, as well as free on the Talk 107.3 mobile app. As we've been saying to you every week, make sure to hit that subscribe button and listen to the show every week. We appreciate that. You don't have to do anything. It pops into the app on your phone. Or if you if you are a non-Apple user, you can get the show directly from the site podcast, 225.com, or just pull down that Talk 107.3 app in your app store and listen there. As we sit and do this today, it is Veterans Day. Some of you may catch this the day after, but this show is going up the evening of Veterans Day, that Wednesday. And our guest on this edition of the Clay Young Show is retired Army Captain William Conger, who is a personal friend of mine and a good man. He has served his nation with distinction nearly 30 years in the military, and he will tell you that story. It's a pretty fascinating story. He will talk deeply about his passion for the country his passion for the military, and feelings about the way veterans are addressed here in America. Great insight from him. I think you will enjoy that conversation. And as I said, he's a friend of mine. And we worked together with Smoke Em If You Got Em. You know, we've done two of those this year. Captain Conger was involved with us with that and was an integral part of making it happen. And you'll get a chance to hear his personality and why it worked. I mean, he's an army captain. He's a man about business, getting things done. He's an LSU grad. uh, (laughs) And there are parts of the conversation you'll hear about where he's from and and all of that. So that's coming up in just a moment. Captain William Conger, our guest on this week's edition of the Clay Young Show. Before we get to that, now, you know, we're in the height of the political season here in Louisiana. Right now, we're in the middle of early voting And that is for the elections that will take place on November 21st. Earlier this week, I posted something on Facebook. And by the way, you can follow me there on Facebook or on Twitter at ClayYoungBR. And I wanted to ask about what people thought was the major issue facing Louisiana right now with the governor's election being just around the corner. And I got really good feedback from a great number of you. And I'm I'm pulling it up here because I said I would share it. And as slow as it goes, as slow as it goes, I'm doing it on my iPad. I love these little things. It's one thing. Technology sometimes can be a pain between the back pockets and then other times sometimes a pain in the back pocket depending on the cost. And then other times it's just It's uh, unbelievably great. Okay, so my post was, here's a quick question for you, my fellow citizens of Louisiana. This is targeted uh, the people who are still here. I mean, some of you are listening in other places, but it says, what do you think is the biggest issue facing Louisiana today? There is an election for governor in less than two weeks. Talk to me, all right? Uh, First out of the shoot was Patrick, who said, education says, we will never be free of problems until we can educate our population. All right, it's a great start. Next up from Dwight, he said, the budget. All right, big, lots of talk about the budget. He says, it's the key to all of, our, all of our other problems. You want to fix traffic, fix the budget. 
You want to fix the schools and higher ed? Fix the budget. You want to fix coastal erosion? Fix the budget. All right. Good stuff there. Johnny says, finish one project before starting another. Every road, street, avenue, or interstate are under construction and the roads still suck. Come on, man. That's what he says in his post. Uh, Keith says, budget and its structure. Don, definitely revenue. Where will it come from? And please don't say taxes. Don's not a fan of taxes. Old Matt says he's deeply concerned about importing Syrian refugees. I'm probably alone in this for now. Deborah next up says education. Matt agrees with uh, Don rather agrees with Matt. Uh, Twink. Twink is a great lady. She works at the Camelot Club in downtown Baton Rouge. She says education enough said. Johnny comes back. The money for these road constructions should have already should have already been in, quote unquote, the budget. They just <laughs> well, I'll just stop at that line. <laughs> you can go to my my feed and read the rest of it. Uh, let's see. He says education. Johnny posts again. Very true. But you can put your children in a private school so you know your money is going straight to their education and not other, quote unquote, lies. Tara says a loop. That's the only one I got that says a loop. And Tara knows a lot about infrastructure. Take my word on that. Uh, Tasha says budget, budget, Medicaid expansion. Oh, did I say budget? I believe you did, Tasha. uh, Demand says old fashioned bipartisanship. Ain't gonna happen. Vanessa says the budget and education. Uh, Sonia says, tie between medical care and the justice system. Dalton says, modify corrections, send the money to education, get as many people working as possible. I do agree. Let's see here. May as well keep going. Uh, Deshonda says, I agree with those who posted education. I read something the other day that stated our children are not learning. They are preparing for test. Uh, as an educator, it is very disheartening to see how our educational system has regressed. Dudley says higher ed, health care, infrastructure. Parenthetically, he says roads and bridges. Hank, education, statewide, traffic in Baton Rouge and the budget. Joseph says traffic, road repair, specifically the I-10, which we really got to do something about that. I mean, come on, man. Crossing the I-10 bridge coming into Baton Rouge from... West of here, when four lanes of traffic shrink down to one when you're going east on I-10, we could do better than that. And the bridge over in West Feliciana, well, between West Feliciana and Point P Parish is not the solution. Sandra says, evangelist Sandra says, uh, health care, the budget, education, jobs. Tom says, traffic, traffic, and traffic. Barry says, I would say health care first followed closely by higher ed. The closing of hospitals in our state is very concerning, and I'm afraid that some of our colleges will be next. This is not good for our state. I'm going to keep going here. Eddie says, crime, drugs, traffic. Fallon says, I believe education is the biggest problem. Our children are the future. Pat, my old buddy Pat. Not one of these things matter if you have no money to try and fix them. We are dependent on $120 a bottle, a bottle, $120 a barrel oil that is selling for $44. 
Hard to make up that gap. A revenue stream would be something to discuss, and no one wants more taxes. But you just increased state police pay by 30%, and you must find a different revenue source other than making people pay a fine for lapsed insurance 10 years ago. There was a news story about that. He goes on, the state is going to get in the same shape as the federal government. God, let's hope not. Jaron says the budget, specifically how we tax oil and gas, homestead exemption, statuary, statutory rather exemptions, also the size of our state government. Eric says fiscal responsibility. It does just mean cutting taxes, which is easy. I think maybe he meant it does not mean it also means. Yeah, it also means making potentially unpopular decisions for the greater good of the citizens of the state and not political expedience or dogmatic policy with painful and unnecessary consequences. So just and Caitlin, who was who brought up the rear, uh, the last one that I see here on the feed says education. So why did I read these all and why did I go through this? Two reasons, and then I'll move on. One, people who live here, generally speaking, if you ask them, can give you an intelligent answer or at least articulate what they think. People can think. And you see a a theme, education, infrastructure, the budget, healthcare. Those are some of the big ones that you heard over and over again. People can think. A word to the people running for office. There was a debate. In fact, there were three debates yesterday. Uh, The gubernatorial debate between John Bell Edwards and David Vitter. The junior varsity presidential debate. Won't talk about that. And uh, the varsity team presidential debate. Quickly with the governor's race, I think Senator David Vitter, and some people disagree with me, has done an effective job of, of slowing some of the momentum against him and is trying to build momentum to get Republicans to vote for him. It seemed to me his one mission was to force a policy discussion that was targeted at Republican voters only to say, hey, I vote the way you want me to vote. That's why you should vote for me and not this other guy. And that's why you should come out and not stay home and not vote for either of us. I think that's what he's doing. John Bell Edwards, I don't know that that I don't know what his goal was, except to talk a lot about David Vitter's character. And I think that it became repetitive. So I think last night was largely a tie, but a tie is not good for John Bell because I think that David Vitter at least was able to shore up some support among Republican voters. And some of the numbers I'm seeing are saying that very thing. On the presidential side, it's November. The election's next November. There's probably another debate in the next three minutes. So there were no real embarrassing moments from last night, except I could tell Donald Trump does not like Carly Fiorina and the feeling is mutual. Yep. All right. Up next, our conversation with retired Army Captain William Conger. A great discussion on this Veterans Day. And it is next. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. 
posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website, or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. So back with retired Army Captain William Conger, who's been a friend of mine now for about a year and a half. And we first met, I think it was, it was after the first Smoke'em, right? It was, yeah. Right after the first Smoke'em. And it was like fall of last year. It was, yeah, it was just right after Smoke'em. And, and we started getting involved with, with another event. Yeah, yeah. And... We got to know each other then. His personality is kind of like mine. That's kind of scary, I know, for many of you who do know me. And the, one of the big differences is he's served our nation in the military. So let's talk about that. You are originally from Athens, Georgia. I am. Don't hold that against me. Um, it's it's uh, taken a while to not hold it against you, but I, yeah. but I don't. No, uh, I, I was. Uh, I was born in Alabama. Don't hold that against me oh either. Oh, God, I didn't yeah, even know that. Yeah, That's just, you know, okay, you need to leave now. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, I, I after last you, weekend. I, I will tell you. Um, so, yeah, born in Alabama, raised in Athens, Georgia. And um, I met my beautiful wife, uh, Madeline, yeah. in Athens. And, um, you know, she's from Baton Rouge, grew yeah. up here and, and all. She was in grad school at the University of Georgia. And uh, the next thing I know... I'm here, and uh, I have graduated from LSU. So, you know, you can't kick me out. Uh, I know <laughs> right. where my loyalty is. No, no, lies. no, no, no. Yeah. You, you've put the loyalty in there. So when did you start thinking about becoming a member of the military? You know, that's, um, I think that that's a really cool part of my story. Okay. And it's one thing that I, you know, I like to tell, uh, especially um, young men and women or even parents mm-hmm. uh, that are, you know, kind of looking down that path. It started for me when I was five. Five? Um, five years old. Um, you know, I come from a family um, of, of military men, um, predominantly officers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a half-brother who's uh, currently in the military, and, and he's a senior enlisted uh, non-commissioned officer. Okay. Um, I, I was... Um, at, at the time, you know, my favorite movie, even at five years old, was The Longest Day, the old John Wayne <laughs> That's flick right, right. Uh, about the 82nd Airborne Division yeah. and um, the incredible story of how they, uh, you know, jumped in during the, the Normandy invasion mm-hmm. uh, to, um, you know, to save this small, small town. Yeah. And... Um, uh, you know, I, I think it was more the, the parachutes and the uniforms and all of that. Of course, uh, the the um, the way that John Wayne is, uh, you know, probably impacted me a little bit as Alpha well. Alpha male. Oh, a- absolutely. And I, and I knew I, I wanted to be in the 82nd Airborne Division. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of... It's kind rare. Of, uh, kind of, yeah, it's rare. It's very surreal to me even to this day. Um but you know, I what I remember Clay as a child um, is, and I, I'm going to paraphrase the story. I won't get deep into it. Um, I had a my best friend was a cat named Mopsy, and <laughs> and uh, I would put her in my YMCA bag, which was 
uh, a red bag with white uh, handles. And uh, I would strap that thing on with her little head sticking out. And um, I'd climb up on my bunk bed where I'd taken a fan and put it down in front of the bunk bed. That was my airplane. <laughs> and I, I would jump off the top of that bed with Mopsy in the back, you know, and on my back in that bag. And, um, you know, she was my best friend. Yeah. She was my fellow paratrooper. Yeah. And, yeah. and she got the raw end of the deal no every, every jump it. I made. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's a true story. And, and um you know, from from a very young age, and I, and not only influenced by Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, but also family. Yeah. Um, I, um, you know, as a child, I uh, was on the the backside of of Vietnam. Yep. Um, and so, uh, everything that I saw, um, it influenced me. It kind of captured captured that that piece of me internally that wanted to be one of those guys, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to be a soldier. And so um, made it very clear to my parents that that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, um, you know, they supported me from day one. Uh, well, I, they understood what it meant. They, they did. Um, and, you know, if we were to go back and have a discussion about how generationally, you know, starting from World War II, um, through uh, the Vietnam War, and you look at the generations, World War II, Korea, mm-hmm. Vietnam, and, and all in between, there's different generations that are there, and those right. generations had different feelings about the military, military service, um, you know, um, how things were being handled politically within the country mm-hmm. and in foreign policy, you know, yeah. obviously, which is, you know, it's still a huge issue today. It is. Um but my parents, you know, uh, who grew up, you know, and were of, you know, the Vietnam service age, if you will, mm-hmm. they, they fully supported me. And I guess it was a given. Um, you know, if you, if you go back, um, my parents divorced when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother remarried. Um, my dad uh, gave me his name uh, when he adopted me. Mm-hmm. And, and the cool piece about that when you look back my dad was in radio, and so, um, you know, uh, in in radio and then in, in records. And, you know, during that time and in, in the business, you know, uh, living free and, and having a good yeah, time is a yeah. pretty big deal. And, yep. and during that Vietnam era, um, that's just kind of the way things were. It was you know? an age of expression, wasn't it? I, absolutely. Yeah. Again, I was on the back side of that, yeah. so I didn't, you know— I was born in 1969, mm-hmm. so I wasn't, you know, I didn't grow yeah, up within that. Right. Um, so when I told my parents, you know, that that's what I wanted to do, it was, uh, it was all good. And I actually enlisted when I was in the 11th grade. Um, they, um, the requirement was is that I would finish high school mm-hmm. uh, and then enter, enter active duty service, you know, once I graduated. And 30 days after I graduated from Cedar Shoals High School in Athens, Georgia, um, I was on a bus headed to Fort Benning, Georgia. And, um, you know, the, the piece about that that I remember very vividly is sitting down with my parents on the couch mm-hmm. um, and having that conversation and, and how they told me that they love me and support me. Um, they may not love or support or, you know, even like, you know, the political decisions yeah. or the things that I may have to do. Um, I think more so from a political perspective, yeah. but they supported me as 
a service member. That's a big deal. 58,000 Americans lost their lives in the Vietnam War. Yeah. So the impact on them, you can't not think about that if you're a parent and your son comes to you and, and says to you, I want to become a member of the armed forces. And it shows the level of faith they have in you and how they just they want you to be able to conquer your own mountain by saying in inside they may be thinking, oh, God. But outwardly, they're like, you know what, William, go do it. They they never express anything different than support. Yeah. I and mean, I, I can honestly sit here and look in your eyes and mm-hmm. tell you that. And and my parents and I, you know, I'm very blessed that they're still both alive. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had conversations over the years. You know, so have they expressed to you what they were feeling inwardly when you, when y'all were having that conversation? Um, the same. Nothing. Nothing's changed. I wow. mean, it's they they supported me. Now I was reminded. You know, we don't necessarily agree with everything that you know from yeah. a political standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And there were times throughout my career where you know, particularly my dad and I would have conversations. He and I. Um, there's only an 18 year difference between mm-hmm. us. And, mm-hmm. and so um, he's my dad, but he's also my best friend. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, you know, we talk, we have man conversations yeah. and, and they can get, you know, pretty deep on that. And he expressed some, some concerns as far as what was going on, um, you know, both within the country and, and then externally as well. And, um, but it's never been, they never said, man, we'd, we want you to get out. We want you to end your lifelong dream. And it, and it was, Clay. It was a lifelong dream to serve my country. I, I, you know, the whole calling thing yeah. you know, that people talk about yeah. and, and all. Um, I, I tell people, too, that it's kind of like when you meet your wife, you know she's the one. I knew that being in the military was, was the one for me. And, you know, I've been questioned as to... You know why the army? Why not the Marines or you know the other branches? Of why service? did you choose the army? Um, I, I think that it was partly it was because my grandfather, uh, who um, it, it was, has been the most influential um, person to me as far as the military. Okay. Um, uh, his, why? Why was that? Um, he he was so compassionate. Uh, about his service. Uh, my grandfather's no longer with us. He mm-hmm. died in 2005. Um, and he, he was my father's father. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a time period in my life where he and I were not together. And, it, and then all of a sudden we were. And even as a child, I knew, you know, he graduated from West Point class in 1938. And, um, you know, I remember as a child seeing, you know, his, uh, you know, saber from West Point or his tar bucket from West Point, which is their, their ceremonial mm-hmm, hat or, mm-hmm. you know, pictures and, and diplomas. And he would tell me stories even as a child. And then after we reconnected some 18 years after my parents had separated, we would we would sit down and he would talk about, you know, the experiences that he had in the military and in the pride and. It, it wasn't just his pride, I think, that I, I was latching on to uh, for his own service. It was also the pride in me, uh, understanding that I'm a kid that went through a divorce. That's not an excuse or anything like that. Sure. But to, to have someone who I had looked up to, mm-hmm. you know, to have them all these years later, uh, you know, say, 
man, son, I'm, I'm very proud of you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's I a think kind of validation. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, um, before he passed away, uh, I, my son was born. And, yeah. you know, I, I remember him telling me very vividly, your son's going to go to the academy and he's going to do great things. And I would tell him, you know, granddad. And, and he, he was a retired Fulbright colonel, and, and uh, I would call him colonel. Yeah. And I, and I would say, you know, whether he goes to the academy or not, I, I think that he's going to be very successful because he has your blood. Right. And, it, and so... Um, you know, that's one of the things that I've carried with me too, is the fact that I know that I have his blood and, and I just, a, a familial type of respect and, in in the lineage of our family, mm-hmm. you know, grandfather, great grandfather, you know, and so my, my father was in the military as well. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just part of me, but there's never been a time, um, you know, that my parents have ever said, you know, we, we want you to stop or we don't approve of what you're doing. They, they have always been there. They have, um, every time that I've called, um, they've answered the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've had some discussions, man, especially after I came back, um, you know, in, from the first Gulf War. Um, you know, that was, that was a tough transition, you know, being in Iraq and, and then coming back home. Um, Tell so, me about that. Um, which aspect of it? Well, the, the coming home, it was such a different time because, you know, the Gulf War happened in 91. Right. And it was after the long flirtation we had with Russia in the 80s and the, the whole mutually assured destruction and all of the talk that went on during the height of the Cold War. And then we come out of that. And then all of a sudden, most Americans began to learn the name Saddam Hussein. Yeah. And we start to find out what's happening in the Persian Gulf and and what was going on there. And there was uncertainty about what it was going to mean because we had not been in a an aggressive boots on the ground conflict in a great number of years. Yeah. And so I remember the talk. I do remember the outpouring of patriotism and support for military veterans. You know, one of my favorite memories, and I know it may be awkward, but it was Whitney Houston singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl in sure, Tampa, sure. the Giants and the Bills in 1991. I vividly remember it and just thinking, dang, yeah. <laughs> it's like we, 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 you know, we get it. Yeah. And then the military veterans come back. And I do remember some of this. I don't know if I want to call it a backlash against them for some reason because of the height of the politics and what was going on. But just as an outsider, not a member of the military, you notice it. So I guess that's what I'm asking about coming back in and the political reality that existed in the country. Not asking you to talk about any politician, but just sure. what that reality was. Yeah, you know, I don't like to talk about politicians. The the. I think if we look, I don't like to talk about most of them either. Yeah, probably um, because so many of them are douchebags. But that's another subject that's, for that's another, another show. That's another subject. However, some of them are good and good. Some of many of, ours, of them so, are good. Yeah, um, just not most of them. You know, so um, if if you go back and you look at the span of time, uh, you know, prior to uh, the Gulf War, and and we were still very much so in the Cold War. Mm-hmm. That that would not end until mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, um, you know, we had Operation Just Cause, the invasion yep. of Panama to go yep. get Noriega. Yep. Yep. Uh, prior to that, we had, um, um, you know, the Operation um, 
to to go down and uh, get the uh, the students out of where was it? We're losing it here. It's age. It's age. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for calling it out, though, Bill. Yeah, thank you. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, I want to say Guantanamo Bay. No, it was not the forefront of my my mind right now with everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so when you look at the span of time, and I apologize, you know, the country we didn't, and those operations were not – they weren't mediaized, mm-hmm. you know, like the last 15, 20 oh, years sure. has been. You know, I mean, it's a totally different time. Oh, yeah. Um, when I was in Iraq during the Gulf War, we didn't have, you know, all of the the niceties and, and things that, um, you know, have been in operation during freedom mm-hmm. and in, in Afghanistan. That's not taking away or giving to any of that. It's sure. just different time frames. Sure. I mean, if you look at the other operations, World War II, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's an even longer conversation. But the media, I mean, we had some embedded reporters with us, uh, but it was not at the same level. So coming back, I mean, I, I vividly remember um, coming back home. Um, of course, when I got back to Fayetteville, uh, you know, I deployed with the 82nd Airborne Division. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we stayed a, a week uh, or so, about a week and a half, I guess. Um, went through some debriefings and, and cleaned a lot of our kit sure. and, and all of that. Um, and then I, I took leave, uh, like most of us did. And I, I went back to Athens. And, you know, one of the first things I wanted to do was go downtown. If you've ever been to the classic city, you know downtown, you know, is where to go. It's you know, the live music. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, all the bars, everything that, that's there, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's absolutely incredible. One of the key features of downtown also are the arches at the University of Georgia, the symbol of the university. And so, um, you know, when when I was in, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia and in Iraq, um, you know, I went through that time period and I would reflect on you know, the things that I knew, the places that I've been, you know, and the Arches was part of that mm-hmm. and, and wanting to get back to Athens. So well, I, I go downtown and there is a rally, nothing major. Um, and, you know, nobody's getting hurt or anything like that, kind of like we've we've seen with, with other instances. Sure. Uh, and, you know, somebody yelled out that, that you know, paratroopers killed babies. Yeah. And, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, kind of, you know, they weren't um, – you know, it wasn't a rally for that or anything like that. And there were some signs. And I think unless you really were paying attention to it, you know, you could kind of drive by it and be you may not good. notice well, it. Yeah. yeah. But I, so I was walking downtown and I see this and I, and the only thing I could think to myself was, you know, I didn't kill any babies, man. Right. You know, and, and, um, I know that the men that raised me in the army, because I'm on the backside of Vietnam, sure. were Vietnam veterans. Yeah. And, and I know now, I, I was young in my career then, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know everything that they had gone through. I, I know now that they, you know, kind of the same things were being said to them and, the, and all of the, the awful things that were said to them, to men and women who did uh, a lot of which they were told to do because of the draft. I mean, sure. it, you know, a lot of people volunteer to be in the military, but you also had these draftees that would deploy for a year, yeah. you know, because it was either that or go to jail. And, and so... 
um, you know, they're, they're essentially thrust upon this. They've got to do this um, and, and all. And I just, so that was what my reflection was, was, man, you know, if this hurt me kind of the way it did, you know. Did it? It did because I knew it was a lie. I knew it was so, so just to explain it to those of us who don't understand, and I, I would imagine because I, I get a lot of feedback from military veterans who listen to the show about because, as you know, obviously I'm very pro military. Absolutely, and they talk about the way that they are they are characterized by many in the media. So having just returned home from a conflict where you could have lost your life, mm-hmm. okay, and you come back to the great nation, and I'm sure you didn't walk in looking for a parade in your honor. I know what kind no, of guy you no, are, but when you get hit in the face with people accusing you of murder, I mean, what's your reaction? Were you angry? Were you, were you hurt? I mean, what was your reaction? Well, I, I, it, so it wasn't directly to me. No, I was no, walking it, by. Yeah, so, sure. so in that instance, if it had been directed directly towards me, I think I definitely would have taken it uh, a little differently than sure, I, absolutely. I had, especially because I was dealing with a lot of stuff. Right. I mean, uh, you know, back then we didn't have PTSD. Mm-hmm. You know, at least nobody talked about mm-hmm. it. It hadn't that, you know, that uh, term had not been coined right, yet, you right. know, or, or or what have you. Um. You know, but it, it it's still, it was one of those things where it's inside of you. And I'm honestly, I can't, you know, I can't sit here and tell you, Clay, I went back and I talked to my mom and dad about it. I mean, I was a grown man at sure. the time. And, it, and there were just things, you know, we didn't talk about. So those, that instance, along with a lot of other things, mm-hmm. man, I stuffed inside and mm-hmm. I carried that with me. And, it, and you know, um <laughs> I would I would imagine um, that I, I went uh, to a local watering hole after experiencing that yeah. and and washing away with booze, man. Man, it's so you amazing. Know? You know, as men, most of us, uh, maybe not in this newest generation, but most of us, it was not the way of a man to just go and gush emotion about every ill. Or thing that you felt, and still, I, I, I it's not the easiest thing for me. I, I have a small number of people that I consider friends, right? Uh, because you just got to be careful nowadays. And so, I often wonder when I when I listen to the dialogue, and you know, talking about then, that's gosh, twenty plus years ago, all right, twenty four years ago, and then now the way military veterans are characterized when you have staff on college campuses that say they don't want to see our ROTC officers there or, or uh, um, people with the ROTC, excuse me, not ROTC, recruiters. They don't want to see recruiters on campus, and if they are, they don't want them in uniform, and they don't want them in public places. And the way that the military is put upon, I don't understand it. Even if you have a political gripe, which is your right as an American to have to target military personnel with that doesn't compute with me. Yeah. And it's a, it's a wonder that you don't have more vel- veterans knocking the hell out of people. Not that I would condone it, but it's a, it's a wonder that you don't have more of it for someone who says, do you know what I just went through? Do yeah. you know what I just did on behalf of my country to come back here and have some little piss ant scream at me about some political ill that I've got nothing to do with? Right. How do you, how do you 
deal with that frustration long term because you've you've retired now from the military. So you've had years of having to see the ebbs and flows of the way military veterans are treated. Well, you know, it's. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be stationed at LSU twice, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, from 2003, 2005, and then again from 2009 to 2014. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I do know firsthand. I mean, there were some incidences that, you know, uh, happened on campus. Uh, we had a flag burning incident. Um, you know, but I, I, I know that um, on a daily basis, there are people, and it's mostly young people, yeah, who, uh, you know, are not well-versed, right. are not, uh, have not been taught, you know, uh, about reality mm-hmm. and about things, you know. History. The, the history. And, and media has done, you know, oh, yeah. done a phenomenal job of, yeah. of taking things and spinning. And, yep. and I will tell you that it's, um, we all know that it's about sales, about mm-hmm. money. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the you're going to get the lead story if it's bad. And, yeah. you if know, it bleeds, it leads, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, h- how do we handle that? You know, why do you not hear about, you know, my buddies or me going and knocking somebody's head off? Um, it, it goes back to that piece about being a soldier or right. a Marine, a sailor or an airman. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it goes back to the discipline that's been instilled with us. You know, we're not all perfect. I, I'm not going to say that there hasn't been an incident. Nobody's perfect. No, but. There's not perfection in the no, church. If not, you don't believe me, go no, looking. No, yeah. Um, <laughs> there and, and there's not perfection in the military either. <laughs> it I, doesn't I, exist no, anywhere, man. It doesn't man. exist anyway. So, but I do know that. As a matter of fact, and one of the things that you learn in the military, yeah, regardless of the branch of service, um, I feel, and I can only speak on behalf of the Army because that's where I sure, retired from, sure. is that you are taught, it is ingrained in you to maintain your military bearing. Mm-hmm. And if you say something to me and I know it to be untrue, I'm, man, I've got other things to worry about right. besides ignorance. You know, and so... Um, you know, it's, I think the problem is more so when it spreads, mm-hmm. when the virus spreads and you have more and more people, um, what really, even in my own, even in my own alma mater mm-hmm. uh, of LSU, which you know, I, uh, went to grad school at LSU, it, it, to see some of the liberal things that happens on campus, um, it's unnerving at times, Yeah, you know, this country was founded on Christianity, mm-hmm. I, it, it was, mm-hmm. um, and and the views and everything that we are today is based on the Constitution of the United States right. and the the actions of our forefathers. There, you can't split that hair anyway, mm-hmm. other than that, right? And and so where we are today, you know as well as I do, and everybody that's listening out there, that we have gotten so politically. Correct, oh, uncorrect, yeah. and it to is, me, yeah. it's a, it's, it is an uncorrectness yeah. because we forget, and I say we in the totality of the oh, country, sure. because we allow as a nation, we vote, mm-hmm. some of us or do. don't, yeah. you know, uh, and we write or don't our congressmen and women, we do or don't put the right people in the positions of leadership mm-hmm. to make the decisions that we want them to make, right. and so. When, when that happens, and it, as it has happened, we have found ourselves in a position where it's okay 
to say and do. I, I'm going to tell you, Clay, I'm, I'm very distraught over, um, the, you know, the, the news that, that came out of Missouri uh, this week. Yeah. Um, now, not from the fact that the players um, boycotted and that there's racial issues. Oh, sure. I, I'm, I'm good with all yeah. of that. There is, there is a defined issue. Um, their solution to that issue uh, was to, to, to stand together, mm -hmm. united, uh, which I respect. Yep. Um, the end result was met, and the president of that university stepped down. But when you have a leader, a professor of that university or any educational establishment, to stand up, particularly when this person was in the J school, yeah. okay, um, and tells someone, a, a mass, mass comm student, yeah. someone in the J school, that, that they don't have a right to be there. Oh, or, absolutely. Or what it was. No, I yeah. Mean, she is, ended up having to resign because was, she, and, and, and it was so, it was so blatant. I mean, she yeah. knows she's on camera. She's calling for people to come in. Yeah. You don't have a right to be here. And to me, when you've got impressionable minds on a campus and these are the people who are supposed to be in authority and this is how they act, this is why you turn out what you turn out. Yep. I think everybody who's in this country should care about the upkeep and the betterment of this country. Absolutely. You know, Orlando's here. You know, Orlando, we talk about it. She's from South Africa. And yep. it's every now and again something will happen and she will make reference to the difference here versus what she saw. And I think it would do people good to actually understand what's happening here. People take for granted the freedoms yep. and the access to opportunity that you have here that you get just because you're born an American. That's right. And in some places, people fight every freaking day just for the opportunity to stay in the game, not, not to mention get to even. And it, it is bothersome. And what's so in now? is this attitude of, like you say, people burn the American flag and they you know, tear down the country. And it's like, look, America's not perfect. No place is perfect. Mm -hmm. But my attitude is always, there are no walls keeping you from leaving. That's right. Hell, we certainly don't have them keeping you from coming in. No. So don't have to stay here. I want to I want to move ahead to get to something else because I've already I already see this is going to be a two part conversation so I'm going to have to ask you back but before we before we wrap up the first part of this okay let's talk a little bit about uh, the situation with the national VA and again I won't ask you to get into politics politics or politicians but I will ask you to talk about the gravity of us as a nation not doing as much as we can to deal with veterans who come back, who are dealing with issues. That's part one of the question. I'll let you do both. And the second part is you've got people who are at a tipping point where they don't have to necessarily go out and do anything that causes harm to others or themselves, but by not addressing the issue, we're leaving them out there. Let's kind of talk about those two realities for me. Right. So uh, the first part of that question is in, in dealing at and let's let's talk about the national and the, the local. Okay. Okay. Uh, we're in Louisiana. Let's, yeah, let's that's talk right. about Louisiana. Okay. Let's do it. Um, you know, as you know, Clay, um, a very very uh, strong advocate for taking care of the welfare of veterans, particularly in the, the great state of Louisiana, uh, but nationwide. I mean, they're they're all my brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Um, and we, you and I, have worked together. Yep. And and you know, we've been on this campaign. I've been on this campaign for the last five years mm -hmm. to to work. And you know, and I've seen. And experienced a lot of a lot of things, um, to the point to where I had to pull back on some stuff because um, 
it's a very, very tough situation, mm -hmm. uh, just all around. On, at the national level, so we paid tax money mm -hmm. to take care of veterans. That's right. They, this is the bottom line. That's right. Right? That's not being done. Okay? And, and um, what sickens me about the way that our veterans are being taken care of or not, not being right. taken care of is that you have, first of all, and, and it all goes back to leadership, Clay, mm -hmm. the leader of the VA is a veteran. Right. And he's a damn good man. Yeah. Okay? Um, and, and look, I, you know, a spade's a spade. However, mm -hmm. at the top, you're going to be told what you want to hear. I've seen it in the military. I, I, know, <laughs> I know a lot of people that, you know, through my military career that were very good at coming up with fluff to give the command. Ex explain that. So okay. let's talk about that specifically. The person at the top being told what they want to hear, you know, yeah. go into that a little bit. So, um, you know, you, you have the secretary of the VA. Yeah. And, and we just use this as the example. Um, he um, is a figurehead. Okay. Okay. Um, but he also is the fall guy, right. he or she, in right. this case he, uh, is the fall guy. And if things are not going right, he's the one that's got to answer, right? So then he well, has no power. Then he has no power. Well, just like a gun, you have to have ammunition for that's the gun right. in order to fire it. Right. And so he gets his ammunition, you know, the information from all of the people down the line, whether it's through the administration to the hospitals themselves, mm -hmm. okay, e even to the patients. Um, that information flows uh, in when he, you know, when the audits and everything that goes on in, in taking care of those different facilities, which in turn takes care of the veterans, yeah. you know, he has to be updated on that. Hopefully those questions are being asked. What's going on in Jackson, Louisiana, at the war home there, mm -hmm. you know, at, at, at the, the veterans home? Um, you know, what, what is going on at, you know, the, the veterans home in New Orleans, you know, wherever it is, it doesn't matter. So those questions then, as, as I would imagine, probably come from the state. Well, the state is going to provide the feds with what they want to hear. I'm quite sure to keep the feds off of the state's back. Yeah. Okay. Now, if I'm wrong, I'd really like to know that. Okay. However, what I see is, and, and let's talk about the state, is that when recently we have homes that are homes to veterans of this country, and, and I don't care what war they were in, I don't right. care what branch of service sure, they were in, it doesn't None matter. Of that matters. Right. That's right. Okay. They have the ability as a benefit to utilize those services. Mm -hmm. And that's what they rely upon. That's what their families rely upon. And when they are not getting, getting the services that they are supposed to get, well, that's, it's just wrong. I mean, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a veteran in a veteran's home or, you know, uh, you and I, if we go to, you know, one of the many medical facilities right. here. You know? So when, when you hear the stories, and I've spoken to veterans who've talked about 
needing to go either to the VA hospital or go meet with someone about some medical issue and being put in a line with other veterans who have been waiting for a very long period of time. And it isn't getting any better, even with the attention. Now, this is back page attention. Most of what happens with the VA, in my own opinion, it's back page until something happens. A veteran commits suicide in a way that draws the attention of the media or a veteran goes out and does something uh, that causes harm to someone else. It draws attention. And then we talk about it for a little while. And then we move on to talk about the freaking Kardashians or some other doggone thing. And it's like, to me, I don't see an aggressive plan to do something about it. And for politicians, what's worse to me is I hear it during campaign cycles, especially on the national level. That should have been your question was the campaigns. There's one I'm tired of hearing right now. And then nothing happens. Yeah, so I definitely want to make it clear, first of all, we don't have conversations about the Kardashians. Well, you and I don't. We don't. No, you and no. I don't. No, we I, don't. I don't have them with anyone. But you don't have. You sure? Uh, yeah, I'm pop, maybe with Scott. I, I thought know. that hey, I heart Chloe T-shirt you, you, you wore like, was you kind like of that? odd. Okay, <laughs> you, Scott. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Scott Overby, the man at Doze. That's right. Now, if you want the best steak in town, go to Doze Eat Place. Okay, and see. all right. Any anyway, anyway. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll get edited. That, but, no, it won't. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, okay, so what we need to do is we need to clarify yeah. and identify the VA, the difference between the VA, the Veterans Affairs, yeah. okay, administration, yes. and the Louisiana Department of Veterans Affairs. Okay, right. When someone says, a veteran says that they're going to the VA and they're standing in line or they're not getting service or they got great service. Because not all, not all VA clinics are bad. No, not, not all. at all. I mean, there, there's a lot of good. Absolutely. There, okay. Um, we are not talking about Louisiana no. Department of Veterans Affairs no. institution. That's right. Okay, the institution of. So I make it very clear. Sure. Um, and, and I will tell you that there are some incredible people that work for Louisiana Department of Veterans Affairs. We are strictly talking about um, the 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 federal. The side federal. Of the yes, that's and right. That is the VA. That's right. Okay, it's not the LDVA mm-hmm. uh, or LADVA. Um, you know, and, and I will tell you that I have been, so when I went through the, the retirement process, okay, part of, and I retired out of Fort Polk, uh, and then, but I had to go to the VA for, um, for my benefits claims appointments, doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I went to the VA clinic in Lafayette. Um, they were incredible. It, it was it was a great experience. I didn't see or hear anything that we've heard in the media. Um, and but this is under the state. No, this this, was, this, this is this with was, the federal. federal. Okay, yeah. alrighty. Okay, um, and and then I went to the facility in Alexandria. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've not been to New Orleans since I've retired. They've changed it now that where if I have to go to the VA, I have to go to New Orleans. Um, but I don't have a bad experience personally with the VA. Um, I, I will tell you after nearly 28 years in the military, and this is probably going to sting some people a little bit. A lot of times people have issues because they don't do what they're supposed to do hmm. in order to get help. Hmm. I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. Explain. Okay. Well, if a document needs to be filled out, 
correctly, mm-hmm. or if you know historical documents need to be included. Um, you know, a lot of times people will forego doing that, just trying to rush to get get the help that they need. Okay, that is not. And and look, I know that there'll be some backlash on that, and I'm good with that because I've seen it. I know truth is truth. Right, truth is truth. What I also know, and I was told by the, the VA uh, rep that helped me when I retired, was to make sure that when I sent my documentation to the VA claim center, um, which I'm, I'm still waiting on, on my claims to come back, that I needed to make sure that I had copies of copies of copies because documentation gets lost. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and point a finger and saying that every Jill or Jane that goes and fills out paperwork doesn't do it completely, and that's the reason why they don't get the help that they're supposed to get. I also know that there's a breakdown in the system. Now, what about what about people who, because of diminished mental capacity, are not able to do that to the level of certainty or the accuracy on things is not as well because maybe there's some diminished mental capacity because of PTSD or whatever. I I don't know what, but there are people who come back who struggle because of some of what they've gone through. What do you do for them in the way of making certain paperwork is where it needs to be? So I I think that's where the state gets involved, uh, to be honest with you, as well as the family. And the family comes first. Okay. If, you know, if you have a service member, uh, a veteran in your family, your son, your daughter, husband, wife, whatever it is, and and they need to, you know, submit documentation to the VA. Well, and you know that there's a, a mental dysfunction there. You know, you're not going to send them by themselves to take care of that. It, they need help. But some people have and, relatives and, who are idiots who they, might do and that. They do so. Um, that's where I think both the VA and in Louisiana as a state could do a better job yeah. too. And and I say Louisiana because we have to take onus of our own. As you know, we've yeah. talked about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the latest figures that, that we've discussed are, you know, over 300,000 veterans, uh, the largest number of veterans per capita live in the great state of Louisiana. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And when you're you talking know? about a state that has just over 4 million people total, yeah. I mean, that is a huge number. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to come back to this and, and we'll do a part two of this next week with Bill. You know, it's it's funny as we record this today and it's going to be launched tonight. It is Veterans Day. So uh, I want to I have two final questions. My first question to you is about Veterans Day. When someone says to you, happy Veterans Day, what, what do you think? I think thank you. Um, you know, I, I woke up today. Um, I got a text from my mom. Um, you know, I got a text from my wife, um, got a text from, you know, several other people, guy that I work with, um, you know, I get phone calls and, and I meet people, you know, for lunch, like you and I did today. And, and, um, Scott was there. So Scott that kind of ruined it Frank, a little bit. Frank Gumpert. You yeah. Know, really though, Club right? was yeah, there. He's a, yeah. he's a fellow, you know, he's a brother veteran as mm-hmm. well. It, it makes me feel good. I, you know, the thing that I would say, and I, I had a, I was over at Trinity, um, Episcopal mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of uh, our good friend Shanta Proctor. I would just, Dr. I'm just, Proctor. I'm just going to name name drop Shanta real quick. <laughs> I get a dustpan to pick it, up all it, these names yeah. you're dropping in um, <laughs> She knows I love her and, and respect her very She's much. dynamic. She hooked me up with Father Freeman, uh, who was a, a new, uh, very good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and I sat on a panel of his 
um, Sunday. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it was um, the same question was asked. Uh, and, you know, what I told him is, is that I really, it feels good, yeah. you know, to get to yeah. be asked that. And yeah. he said, well, what's the one thing that you would want to make sure that people understand, you know, about Veterans Day? And, and so I'm going to add to your question and answer that is the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Yeah. You and I have talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. Uh, you know, Veterans Day is the celebration of veterans, uh, you know, and, and um, you know, it's very cool to be a veteran. That means that I, I lived, you know, I survived it. We, yep. we, you know, those of us um, that are able to celebrate Veterans Day, you know, we survived um, some pretty bad stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not, not everybody, you know, deploys what have you, but, right. and then there's Memorial day. Memorial day is to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, that is a somber day for me. I, I do not like to hear happy Memorial day. I, no, you know, that is not, a, actually a pet know? peeve yeah. of mine too. You know, I, it's like going to a funeral and you know, I just, I, yeah, nah, you don't take a, a cake with candles to a funeral. You, you don't. And that's that's part of that's an ignorance. Yeah. Um, and I, I think sometimes know. it's not even based on people trying to be malicious. No, no, not at all. I I've mean, actually, I've actually I've malicious. never run into anybody who said it maliciously. Yeah. No, I just don't think people no. understand. I, I think I think that it's all it's always meant, you know, in, in a good heart, um, you know, with a good mind. No, no maliciousness at mm -hmm. all there. Um, that's why we want to talk about sure. it today is so that, that as more and more people will hear this, that they can spread the word too. What should they difference. say on Memorial day? Um, cause I generally say, you know, you know if I, if, if I'm not really around people on Memorial day. And as you know, the month of May is when we do this fundraiser right. to help military veterans. So, I don't know that I've ever said, I mean, if I write something, say on social media, it generally is of the sentiment of paying homage to the men and women who have died in service to our country and, you know, the families that have sacrificed because people sometimes forget that when we lose men and women who have died in battle or who, who have come back and died, you know, directly after the conflict, the families are impacted as well. And... They, they, uh, they are greatly impacted. Yeah, and, and so, you know, never that. But you said on, on, for Veterans Day, you, you know, thank you, you appreciate it, you made it back. Here's a second question, and, and it actually is about something you said to me earlier. You mentioned we had lunch earlier today, and as a part of what we did this past year with Smoke em If You Got Them and everything was remembering the 22, talking about 22 military veterans today who commit suicide and... You blew me away today because you told me that number is higher. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, how, how uh, you said over 30. Is, is that a suspicion based upon some data or have you seen those numbers yet? Uh, I've not seen the numbers. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into, you know, our we had a private conversation. I won't, I won't go sure. into that. But, um, you know, it's been a couple of months since I've looked at, at you know, real data and, but you think it's higher I, I than twenty two? I believe that it's higher. Yeah. Um, because I, I I feel very certain that even though um, you know there was this talk, yeah. you know, month, last year particularly mm -hmm. uh, about um, you know people 
um, you know, for awareness yeah. and, you know, big campaign to, you know, to, to stop or prevent suicides. You know, that's, it's kind of like all the flags that came out after 9-11. Yeah. You know, where are they today? Yeah. The, you know, things have waned as got well. Mine, so brother. you've got, oh, you do. And it's a, it's a beautiful framed flag. Thank you for having that in here. Yes, sir. Um, the, you know, the thing, the fact of the matter is, is that when you don't talk about it, when it's not in your bubble and you don't have to worry about it, it's still going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people, um, you know, that are dealing with things and, um, it's people that, you know, Mm -hmm. people that you're very close to Mm -hmm. that have been, on that line yeah, that you wouldn't think, you know? And, and so, um, you know, I, I do think that that number's higher. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned to you probably a half a dozen times, uh, it could just be in my head. I hate numbers. I hate statistics mm-hmm. because statistics can be whatever anyone Absolutely. wants them to be. Yeah. Um, you know, if we say that it's, you know, 22 or 20, uh, you know, whatever it is, that number sounds better than 25 or 50 or 100. Um, and what I want to do, um, and, it, you know, there was some, some light shed to me on this, is to not focus so much on the number, mm-hmm. but on the, issue. on the issue yeah. and what it is that's Wait. being done about it. And, and so... Are we doing anything about it? When was the last time you heard anything about it? You know, I mean, it's um, can't even recall. Maybe uh, the last time you and I had a conversation. Yeah, and it, and you know, it's a very difficult thing to to wrap your hands around. Um, I I know from personal experience, having had a soldier that committed suicide, mm-hmm. you know, who was a dear friend of mine and, and a dear friend of uh, of other fellow soldiers that I was with on the day that he committed suicide. We didn't know. You take the telltale signs that, you know, the psychologist and, and, and shrinks and all that put mm-hmm. out there. Man, that's all well and good. But when you put it in the military, right, where the military tells you that you don't show emotion, mm-hmm. where you don't talk about those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and look, all of these surveys and all this other crap that mm-hmm. the military's done over the last couple of years mm-hmm. to get on the other side that that's nothing more than going back to that fluff we were talking about, Yep. you know, whether it's talking about suicide prevention, prevention or sexual harassment issues or sexual assault or whatever it is, people sit in these classes, you know, and it's, it's a check in the box kind of thing that that's not fixing the issue. The bottom line is, is that it starts with leadership mm-hmm. in the military. Yep. Um, starts with leadership in the family. Okay, and and it also starts with the ability of the individual to know in that relationship with whoever it is that they can talk about it, and and you know what, if you feel like you're gonna, you're having thoughts of committing suicide, that's okay. I don't think that it's as uncommon as people think that it is. I would agree. You know, and and you know, for someone to be at that point in their life, yeah. You know, I can smile all day at you. And when I leave here and I get in my vehicle, I can take that frown off and I can go and kill myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it doesn't matter that the the things that happen in people's lives, you don't know what's going to happen or what's going on 
when somebody closes their door. Yeah. And, and our or what people are dealing, are dealing with inside of their heads. I had yeah. a close relative yeah. a few years ago, a very close relative who has always been a fairly uh, even keel guy. And uh, he committed suicide and nobody saw it coming. And I remember the day I remember vividly uh, getting the call and having a conversation and no one really saw it coming because he was so closed off. He's always that's always been his way that when he isolated himself even more, it wasn't that uncommon because he was always a loner. And one of the things that you think about is you just wish there had been one conversation. Exactly. Let me ask you this. When you have a cold do you go around letting your family know that you have a cold? No. Or, or do you, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't in any way want to take to take a cold and suicide mental issues no, no. to the same level. Right. However, if, if we, we kind of dumb it down mm-hmm. a little bit and we say that that, that those suicidal thoughts or what have you is kind of like a cold, you know, I mean, I don't go and run to my wife and say, oh, you know, right. I've got a cold, sure. snivel, snivel. Sure. You know, I deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I don't want to get in the face of my wife. I don't want to get in the face of my kids because I don't want them to get well, sick. Well, most, most of us don't like talking about pain. No. It's like... No, because it's, it's re- it reoccurs. Yeah, it comes, just, you're bringing it up, and it hurts again, and, and all of that. And, and I will tell you, in, in, in so, look regardless of what has or has not taken place nationally, mm-hmm. you know, albeit it's been mostly through the VA, mm-hmm. the VA is not f- full of counselors and the like yeah. that are talking to veterans. Yeah, I will tell you that veterans, someone that is dealing with something in the military is not going to go and sit down with a civilian and have a chit chat about how life sucks and about how they want to kill themselves because I'm sorry, but Not the civilian happen. doesn't understand. Nope. And it, and the things that you know that these men and women for longer than my son has been alive, son and daughter have mm-hmm. been alive, um, have have seen things in Iraq and Afghanistan. Alone, and and we're not, we're not even talking about going about and talking about the Vietnam veterans, the the Korean War mm-hmm. veterans, um, or um, World War Two. I mean, I was with a World War Two veteran the other day, and and you know, I mean, it's the guy's ninety two years old, but he's not out of his mind. He no. was you know able to articulate his experience and all these things. It doesn't matter who you are or what what you went through, what your sex is, what your color is, mm-hmm. what your religion is, any of that. It has to do with commonality. Yeah, you know, I, they're not going to go and open up to someone that has no idea. There is a person. I don't know if this person's still in charge in Louisiana of of one of the facilities, um, but they are a nutritionist. I'm going to tell you, brother. I'm not going to go and talk to a nutritionist, one, because and we have nutritionists in the military, but this person never served in the military, number one. Number two, if I'm talking about killing myself or PTSD or, you know, I stubbed my toe, it doesn't matter. I don't need to talk to a nutritionist. No. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. So if you want to identify where the breakdown is, tell me a company, and we've been talking a lot about companies mm-hmm. lately 
Tell me a company that doesn't put the right people in place to make money, okay? And, and I'm not saying that the VA is about making money. That's, that's not at all what I'm saying. But You mean to get the to job done. To get done. the job Absolutely. done. Absolutely. I get you. And, and in this case, just hiring willy-nilly, I mean, that's really cool. You've a, got nutritionist. A, a nutritionist. Wow. You know, you've got a degree in nutrition. doesn't help me at all. You know, and, and, and we could go on and on about so, uh, that. So I do, because I, I want to come back and because and, I want to talk more about this. We were going to do a, uh, an opening part one that was going to be 30 minutes. Well, 56 minutes in, yeah. it's and we can do another 56 minutes because I think it's worth it. I do think the conversation is worth it. I do think there are people who don't have your perspective. And for the people who do have your perspective, they're probably yelling amen because it's about time that there was a civilized discussion about some of these issues without you know a lot of what goes on on television now it's like i don't watch television interviews where they're here's the thing that throws me off when you get a pro and con to the issue it's like what a con so now it's like a bipartisan or 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 you know a partisan thing helping military veterans versus not to me that's a problem yeah and and you know, it's something I, I do want to talk more with you about that. I'd like to talk with you about the new Millennium Soldier. Okay. And there are so there are so many other things. Like, for instance, a pet peeve of mine now is we don't say armed forces anymore. Yeah. And all of the all of the the political correctness and the bleaching of the history of the military. Uh, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. It's the greatest war machine on this spinning spinning globe. That's what it is. It really is. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, Clay, it, the, the greatest honor, um, you know, to be a part of that. Yeah. At, at whatever level. Yeah. To, you know, and, and whatever the veteran's experience is, because a, a veteran is a cog in the wheel of that, that machine. Mm-hmm. And in every job, I mean, we talk about being in the infantry or artillery or, you know, whatever your job is. That's really cool. But at the end of the day, every job is a pivotal part of keeping that wheel upright and moving forward. Right. And, and you know, it is amazing. And it's, it's amazing to, to have been a part of it for so long. And, and I, I was driving over here, and I was thinking, you know, this is the first Veterans Day in my adult life that I've not been in uniform. Wow. And it, and, and it, that's, How that feels? It's crazy, man. I mean, I, I'm I'm usually, um, you know, I'm usually at a veterans event. Yeah. You know, but I, but you know what? It's good. It's part of my transition. Yeah. Um, I'm with good people. I had a fantastic lunch with some oh, yeah. incredible yeah. friends. I'm we had with, a good you time. Know, you know, and and so, um, you know, the transition and change is good. But it's I, I did have that thought that wow, I'm wearing a suit today and not a <laughs> not not camouflage. So. Well, listen, man. I appreciate your service. We've become fast friends over the last, gosh, over a year now that we're in November. Uh, you really are one of the good guys. Obviously, your service to the country is is just, uh, it's, it's been amazing. We have some good times uh, talking about, you know, a number of things. But I think the most, the thing I enjoy the most is talking with you about how we can help other veterans. I, I did not have the privilege of serving in the military. And I just, I look at what families and men and women sacrifice every day. And I often think to myself, we can do a lot better than we do. And we, and Emma tell you, I, I don't care that you've not quote unquote served your country. 
just like a lot of people, there's only 1% of the population in this country that serves their country. Mm -hmm. That's in uniform. The rest of the service comes from men and women just like you who are patriots that support the men and women in uniform. Absolutely. Being in the military, you don't go and be successful because you're this huge package of kick ass, <laughs> you know, it, that's, I mean, I like because that. we have, we have ebbs and flows yeah, of, right. of all, I mean, good days, bad days, right, all these right. things, uh, you know, one of the 50% this is what I always say. I got to get that phrase on a t-shirt, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'll sell it to you. 50% of what we do and our, our successes are based on our skills, experience and knowledge. Yeah. And I truly believe that the other 50% and, and, and it, it varies, the percentage varies for, with people. But the other 50% is attributed to the wives and the husbands and the boyfriends mm-hmm. and the girlfriends, mm-hmm. the moms, the dads, brothers and sisters who are there for us, whether it's through Skype, text, telephone, face-to-face, through the mail, whatever it is, to help us get through the good and the bad that support us unconditionally and love us unconditionally, man. Well, I mean, we're well, humans too. Yeah. You know? Well, so. you know, you're my guy. We're going to... You know, we'll do a part two of this. And if you got any questions for Captain Conger, you guys know how to reach out to me. I'll talk about it more in the closing. But on this Veterans Day, man, thank you for your service and thank you for your friendship. And thank you for your support and your friendship as well. Captain William Conger, folks, back in just a moment. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. I know it just comes across that he's a good guy. And we will have him back to talk more about what's happening with military veterans and some grave detail about what our heroes are dealing with when they come back from theaters of war and what some who have been back for years and former complex or conflicts from years gone by are still dealing with we'll talk with captain conger about that uh, you you hear the promo that just ran a second ago talking about having your own podcast so let me elaborate on that just a little bit coming up next year i've spoken to people who do want to do their own show so we're actually building out a studio here for at at, at my offices for that very purpose Because I am very interested in people who are wanting to host their own podcast uh, contacting me because we want to be able to put other shows on this website. Now, I can tell you now without going into a lot of other details that it won't be cost prohibitive. In other words, it won't be so expensive that it'll price everybody out. But for people who have reached out to me about it, it's coming. In the first quarter of next year, we're working on it. That's what that promo means. And I enjoy hearing from some of you that are interested. You can email me directly, clay at podcast225.com, or you can direct message me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter and direct message me there. More details about that to come. I am looking forward to having all kinds of shows here. And, and by the way, 
I don't care about political leanings one way or the other. I like open dialogue even when I disagree with people. So that'll be something that's coming in the first quarter of next year. So put a bookmark in your mind about that. And if you want to talk about it now, I just shared with you how to reach out to me about it. If you know a veteran, someone who has served in our military, text them, call them, email them, tell them thank you, at least one of them. Say thanks for what you've done for America. And with that, you guys have a fantastic weekend, and we'll catch you next week on The Clay Young Show here on iTunes, the Talk 107.3 app, and podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.